Welcome to the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. A Southern Storm, a bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. With me always, you guys know, is Jason. What is up, man? Hey, man. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I just uh, saw a really good festival last weekend. Yep. Let's let's go right into it. So we're kicking off, Brian, a a run of blues artists, I think, here. And this is, you hit an event that's going to be perfectly in tune with these artists that we have coming up. So you're at the Fargo Blues Fest over the weekend. Uh, How many days were you there? Uh, it was Friday and last Friday and Saturdays. Well, by the time you guys hear this, it'll be two weeks from. So, yeah, it'll be two weeks from prior to when you guys are hearing this. So Friday and Saturday, I was there. Who were the big names that played both days or, or the show closers? Um, Cabin on Friday night, Walter Trout on Saturday night. Two great, well-established blues artists. Now tell me. What's the, what's the difference between the music between Tab and Walter Trout? Uh, I Walter is more like he's got more rock in there, and and Tab is more more straighter blues. But he's got like a like a jazz Louisiana like kind of Cajun vibe to it. Okay, who was who were some of the bands that you didn't know about, but it surprised you with how good they were? Um, Chris Antonick on Saturday, he played at three because, you know, I'd heard of Toronzo, Toronzo Cannon who played Friday night and I'd heard of Jeremiah Johnson band who played Saturday night, which I was a fan of because he played that clip and I immediately messed you like, who are these guys? Yeah. Cause he's got, he's like a good connecting link between blues and Southern rock. I think, um, yeah. cool stuff, cool stuff. Um, um yeah chris antonick you know he like i hadn't heard of him before and you know they his band sounded great and got some a lot of heavy guitar stuff in there so i totally enjoyed him Toronzo cannon it was you know he's been around for a while and he's uh he's only a couple of years older than me he's like 54 or 55 or something but he he's straight from chicago and he's he's played with all the you know buddy guy and and you know everyone that's some who are not around anymore but uh that was really cool of course uh the show all opened up on friday with lightning malcolm who was a very very early guest on the podcast and i did talk to him in merch um and uh we were it's something we were going to try to hook up later on to chat and then that just kind of just never happened so but yeah he's cool he's he's straight up hill country and he's just got his guitar and he plays the bass drum there and so it was very cool, very, very cool. You know, I've been to, you know, fest there before. There's something a little more special about this one because it's the first one that I've ever covered for the podcast. And best of it all, got to talk to Walter Trout for a very short he time, did. like five minutes on Saturday night, and he was very gracious to do that. And uh, You cut that know, on video, you posted it yeah, to our Facebook page. Yeah, very cool. And very cool that, you know, the got to give a shout-out to Jackson Taylor, who's like, you know, this – young guy does everything he played on stage with walter he's running around kind of like fixing some amp noise and he's dealing with the tour and 
you know, some press and PR stuff is super, super guy, Jackson Taylor. Um, it was very cool. It got me hooked up with to talk to Walter and very thankful for that. But yeah, Walter is just, just a great guy and 71 Legend. years old, 71 years yeah. old. And it just that heavy, heavy rock, heavy blues rock kind of sound. And he told a story and I think some people may have heard about this. Like he, he had, you know, he's talking about his demons and stuff, but he had liver disease and he almost died. Now this is some years back, but he, he was saying that he had some brain damage from that. And basically what had happened is he had to learn, relearn to play the guitar, like chords, bar chords. And he's like, he just sat for like six hours a day and his wife and his family, like very supportive. And, uh, and he said at some point then it started coming back, but like, like, I'm just trying to imagine that, like, here's a guitar. um, And he like just relearns it. And, sounds incredible as he always has yeah very heavy that's cool i mean he's he's a legendary player you know and it was great that you had the opportunity to hear him play live and get a chance to talk to him and post some of that for us yeah for sure it was just a great time great great time and um i gotta give a shout out to jeb deb jenkins band who uh my wife and i are friends with and she's has played in this town for like 30 years and she knows uh she knows some other you know folks in the area you know at Fargo Brewing Company and the Blues Fest and uh and um you know Aquarium and Dempsey's and I'm gonna sit and talk with her because she's hopefully gonna get 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 us hooked up with these people and you know like I said I've already been talking to someone from Jade Presents so hopefully we'll get in get our foot in the door more and get on some promotions or booking or whatever hopefully that's thinking big it's thinking real big but she gave a shout out to the podcast from the stage that was very cool and later on i'm like i left for a while and came back and some guy comes up to me hey it's the podcast guy <laughs> gives me high five building our fans and the fame <clears throat> yeah of, you know right one person at a blues fest at a time brian all right well, uh, have, hold on. Well, I'm not done yet. I got okay. another question for you. You're not getting out of this interview. You're not getting out of this interview on your easy. What was your who was your favorite performance over the weekend? Probably not Walter. necessarily the best, but your favorite. My, Probably Walter Trout. Yeah, I think that's a good call. And then Jennifer Lynn wasn't playing. On that she wasn't episode. there. She played, I think, two years ago. I want to say. I'm just surprised. She's a, she's pretty much a or staple there in three years the ago. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Very yeah. surprised not to hear that. Her her band's really good too. Yeah. So all right, well, well, move on then. Go ahead. Well, this talking about blues is a good segue into our guest. Yeah, yeah. So um, we've got uh, a guitar player, founding member of this band, out of the Northeast and kind of the Massachusetts, Rhode Island area called GA Twenty. They are a three three piece traditional. Uh, Chicago Hill Little Hill Country Blues Band, and we got to ch- talk to Matt Stubbs, the guitar player and founding member. Yeah, and uh, I always had to kid a bit and, and tease and rib a little bit about bands that don't have bass players, but I, I'm totally cool with that. I understand why and how you can cover the low end of the music and two guitars and a drummer. Um, yeah, it's just cool to talk to him because like, I was hearing the North Mississippi Hill Country kind of influence in that, that sound, and and he emphasized like so much of his Chicago influence and in playing on that record as on his stuff as well. So it's a cool combo of the two. 
Yeah, definitely. And like, again, if you're into like a more traditional blues music, check these guys out. They have three records already out. They have a new one coming out in September, early September. And they're, by the time you guys are listening to this, they're already on the road. They're doing a couple shows with Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. So, you know, those guys are all over the place. Definitely, definitely check them out. Yeah, it'd uh, definitely be well worth your time to do that. And uh, you're going to hear a very funny story at the end uh, about, you know, something that happened at a rock club that may or may not involve a previous a, guest a, of ours. A previous guest, yes. So <laughs> you guys all will enjoy that. So kick back, relax, and listen to our conversation with Matt Stubbs from GA20. segment of the podcast you guys know i always throw it over to jason to tell you guys who we have with us today yep brian it's always my pleasure to announce our guest really excited about our guest this week uh we've got a guitar player from a really freaking cool blues band that you gotta know it's matt Stubbs from the band ga20 how you doing matt i'm doing good thanks for having me what's up matt being on man where are you at matt uh, I'm I'm based out of Providence, Rhode Island. Right oh, now. cool! Oh, wow, there we go. Wow. I've flown in yep. and out of that airport there, uh, Greensboro. Um, help me out, right there, Greensboro, Greenwood, Green, uh, TF Green, TF, TF Green. Green. Yep. I don't. There I always end go. up going out of Boston, but TF Green, I think, yes, yeah, right near my house, not far. Very cool. Very cool. We 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 had a couple of guests from like Brooklyn area, but okay. I think that's the only other Northeast guest. Not too far. Yeah. So, man, we just, uh, your first time guest, we just always like want to ask like how you got your start in music and then how did GA20 come about? Sure. Uh, so I started playing guitar around 13 or 14. My father's a guitarist. So I grew up, you know, from day one, my father playing records and having band rehearsal once a week. Um, by the age of 15 or 16, I ended up joining his band and playing gigs with him. Uh, and then just I've done nothing else my whole life other than play music. Um, GA20 was formed in 2018. So I also play guitar with Charlie Musselwhite, who's a mm -hmm. blues player and harmonica player. I've been with him yeah. for about 14, 15 years. And um, GA20 started in 2018. Charlie did, a, a, he's done two records with Ben Harper. And at that time he did a record with Ben Harper and he let the band know he was going out on tour with Ben's band for a full year, which was great for Charlie, bad for old Matt, because that means <laughs> I did not work for a whole year. And that's when uh, Pat was a buddy that was living around Boston at the time, and I was in Boston. And we decided to start this project just to have, you know, do something that we loved. There wasn't a lot of bands playing 50s and early 60s Chicago blues. So that's how it started. It was just to do gigs, you know, around town. It was We weren't really planning on making records or touring at the time. So let's go back a little bit. Like, how did you get involved with Charlie Musselwhite? Good question. Uh, so before Charlie, uh, when I got the gig, I was living in L.A. at the time, and I was touring with a couple other blues artists from the West Coast. Um, a guy named John Namath actually was the guy that I was touring with when I got the call to play with Charlie. And John, we were touring mostly 
uh, North America and he would use different musicians for different tours. And at the time he was using this drummer uh, by the name of June Core. And June had been playing with Charlie for years and Charlie ended up needing a guitar player. And so June recommended me and one day the phone rang and it was Charlie offering me a tour. So nice. I got that and I've been, been his guitarist for, I think this is my 15th year now. So you said your dad was a guitar player, kind of gigging guitar. Was he doing blues music or was he doing something else? He loved blues and he would do some blues, but the band he was in when I was growing up was doing more like rock, early rock and roll, like Chuck Berry and, and <coughs> excuse me, uh, Bo Diddley, which I consider okay. blues, more like rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rock and roll with that heavy blues influence. <coughs> exactly. So that's kind of what I grew up seeing him play. But he was a huge blues fan. Like he grew up as a teenager going to see Muddy Waters and B.B. King and Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry and stuff. So uh, definitely a blues household. Yeah. So when I listen to your stuff, I'm hearing like, a, you know, that North Mississippi Hill Country kind of blues, which I'm a huge fan of and fan of the North Mississippi All-Stars and R.L. Burnside. So, you know, where how did you get into that? Like in your area of the country like what what music were you listening to how did you get hooked into that uh well we love we love hill country rl and t-model stuff i actually wouldn't personally think that's really where, where we're at stylistically mm -hmm. we're more of a chicago blues uh come from more chicago or west coast but mostly chicago um i just got into it because those are the players as i would dig deeper in blues mm -hmm. i really gravitated towards guys like earl hooker magic sam mm -hmm. obviously buddy waters holland wolf buddy guy and uh, Pat, Pat really has gone down that whole wormhole of Hill Country Blues the last few years of getting into RL, but our records, I produce all of them. And most of it, I think when we write our songs and we perform, we're coming a little bit more from the, more of a Chicago, you know, okay. mindset. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. So uh, over your shoulder there, I, I see a fender mustang bass and this is always i'd say this in a humorous way and jason and i have laughed about this before like i'm a bass player so like sometimes i'm kind of challenged by the duo or whatnot um you know like i know like a lot of guys they play you know like when they're doing finger picking they are hitting all the bass notes with their thumb so is that just like 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 i said not a big deal just a sense of humor like how why is there not a bass player how do how do you cover that or get around that Sure, yeah, we, I always try to have a bass, like even our music videos, wherever there's a bass around, even though we don't have a bass player. Uh, Pat plays guitar, I play guitar, and Tim plays drums. That being said, it's funny because before this band, Pat and I are both actual bass players. We play guitar. I mean, I make my living playing guitar, but uh, I've toured and recorded numerous occasions playing bass guitar. It's the same thing with Pat. Pat plays bass in a different band I have. Uh, this band doesn't have bass just by coincidence when we started like I said, Charlie was going on the road and the concept when we started was Pat and I just wanted to play like low down Chicago blues. And a lot of these albums from the fifties and all the way up to the early seventies, like Hound Dog Taylor, a lot of these bands didn't have bass. Mm -hmm. Why? I don't know. I don't know if it was just out of the situation or there was a guitar player and a harmonica player and a drummer, or they were saving money. I don't know. Mm -hmm. right. We started this band. It was the whole goal was, just to play low down blues and keep it simple. I didn't want a big band. Like I had, I had an instrumental project at the time, which was lots of people in it. And it was just to keep it as simple and stripped down as possible. And then as things grew and we started touring, getting a record deal, 
it just kind of is our sound now. There's been times where we have bass player friends show up and sit in. I mean, they sound great, but it's not, it just doesn't kind of sound like GA20 anymore, you know, mm-hmm. if, if there's bass involved. Maybe someday that will change, but as of now, we're three records in, there's no bass. Sure <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and so you know you you and Pat are the guitar players and how does it change your approach to playing guitar with you're both playing guitar with no bass like you have to do anything different? Yeah, I mean, sure. If I'm playing in an ensemble like when I'm with Muscle White, there's a bass player, and I'm the only guitar player. Yes, my approach on guitar is different. I'm playing chords. I'm playing uh, we call it tops or bottoms. So like if I'm playing all the high notes or or partial chords, that's the top, and. Mm-hmm. You can kind of float in a different way. When you have a bass player, he's covering a lot of low end. Uh, with GA20, we kind of weave now. Like there'll be a, we, we figure out who's going to play what part. And then if Pat's pay, playing the bass line or the bottom, as we call it, but say he wants to take a solo, we just weave. I'll, I'll switch over and play the bass line. So I guess in one regard, it's a little different because you got to know both parts for mm-hmm. both songs. You know, we both know both parts, but, uh, Essentially, whoever's playing the bottom is playing what a bass player would probably be playing, just on guitar. So I did read about how you guys got your name, but it'd be interesting if you could you know, go a little, you know, into detail about that. Jason's a guitar player, so it's like a gear thing. So uh, if you could uh, tell us about how you guys got the name. So we were putting the band together, doing some gigs around town at little little venues, and. And we needed to come up with a name. And as far as far as I can tell, every good band name has already been taken. There are no good <laughs> bands anymore, right? Like every name has been taken. Uh, so at the time I was playing an old Gibson amplifier from the 50s. I have a few of them. Uh, and the model name is GA20, Gibson Amplifier 20. And from 1949 to about 61, 62, Gibson made these amps. And the first letters would always be GA. And then there would be a number. And the number was the size of the amp. So Pat and I both own... A bunch of GAs, uh, mostly GA20s, and so it was just kind of in the room when we were recording, and we just were like, "Oh, we'll call it that," not thinking it was ever going to be a band that was going to make, you know, to- making tours or records or whatever. Going back, maybe I would have put more thought into it, but I don't know. It is what it is. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's a cool, you know, it pays homage to old style musical style gear that that we guys kind of play. So it, wor- it works for you. It works. I mean. W- when we're, we're, we tour a lot, and when we're down south, a lot of people assume we're from Georgia. They think it's Georgia Highway 20, which is fine. I like Georgia. <laughs> cool. But uh, it's not. You know what I mean? I'll take it. If it gets us an extra gig, I'll, I'll say that's what it means, but that's not what it means. Are as you long guys... they don't call you God Ga, Ga 20. <laughs> uh, we've been called worse than that. Like the O'Neaters. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Do you guys still play those amps? Yeah. Um, things have changed a little bit. We used to only play like small, really small, like that would be the biggest amp. Those are like 12 watts, roughly, I think. Um, and when we first started, we play small places and really kind of went for the, more of like an early mid 50s approach where small tweed distorted amps playing quiet. And if we played a bigger place, they put a mic on it and they turn it up through the PA. Things have changed a little bit now. We're playing a lot of festivals, uh, mm-hmm. doing things like that in theater. So, we own those. Sometimes we bring them depending on the gig, but for the most part on the big stages, we're using, you know, a couple, a couple big amps each now, but we record with them still. Yeah. Speaking of the recording process, you said you produce all the records. Do you use a particular studio or do you bounce around? Like, where did you do the, the crackdown record? 
So our first record, Lonely Soul, and then Crackdown, we recorded at a studio in Boston called Q Division. Um, and then our a record that we just released a year ago, it was a tribute to Hound Dog Taylor. We, we actually recorded that during the pandemic. Crackdown was recorded before the Hound Dog record. Okay. And the pandemic happened and we held off releasing Crackdown, which is the follow-up to Lonely Soul, just because we wanted to make sure we were able to tour behind it and do all the press and whatnot. We didn't know what was going on around sure. the time we were initially planning on releasing it. Um, the Hound Dog record, and we've recorded one other record. During the pandemic, I built a studio at my house and I have an engineer come in. So we've been recording here since the pandemic. Uh, so ba basically just two studios, either my studio or this place called Q Division in Boston. Right on. Well, as we know, uh, blues, you know, it survives through all the different genres that, that get famous or kind of sing whatever. Um, so in your area, what 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 is the blues scene like there? Um, well, historically, New England, I don't think people realize it have, has a pretty deep blues uh, history, meaning a lot of guys from Chicago would come to Boston, New England and play. That was part of the circuit. Like Hound Dog used to come muddy and BB to the Northeast um, and play in Boston or the North shore. There was a few clubs that there was Lenny's on the pike. My father used to grow up uh, when he was growing up, would go there before my time and see these great acts. Um, in my time growing up, there were still a lot of bands, especially where I live now. I didn't grow up in Providence, but I lived there. There were a lot of bands, Room Full of Blues and Duke Robillard and Ronnie Earl, these guys that kind of came up in the 70s uh, and 80s, and st they're still around these parts, all live here. So as a kid growing up, uh, much later than that, but like in the 2000s, I would go see these guys just play in local clubs when they were not on tour. So it's pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's not the South, you know, it's not Texas or something with that much or Chicago, mm -hmm. that many blues acts. but growing up, I, I was able to see a lot of people that were based here, but also they would be on the circuit going to New York or whatever. These days, a lot of those guys still live here, but yeah, the blues scene isn't quite as heavy in New England. I mean, we play here and we do well when we play here, but we, we're spending most of our time on the road. So you said you didn't grow up there and I can kind of tell because you don't have that. That northeastern accent, especially from like the Boston, Providence area. Where'd you grow up? Well, I grew up just north of Boston, so I'm, I'm from New England, but uh, I've moved around a lot. And, and after high school, and I went to college for a minute, dropped out, and went to Berkeley. I spent some time in Los Angeles, and it's probably my early 20s. It was probably I, I made an effort probably to drop that accent a little bit. Being in <laughs> LA, everybody thought I was from New York because uh, for some reason, even though it was not a New York accent, but uh. I've tried to pronounce my R's at this point, you know, <laughs> you're, you're a, a, you know, you're just a citizen of the United States. It's not a real particular right. citizen area. of the world. So you went to Berkeley in Boston for one year. Yeah. Yeah. We've had a couple guests already that have gone through there. So, um, a Jax hollow, who's a blues rock guitarist out of, out of, uh, out of Nashville. And then also Leilani Kilgore, kind of the same thing. So we've had, you know, that seems to be a pretty, Hot happening spot yeah yeah i mean it's a prestigious school and it was a when i started playing guitar i was probably 13 and by like 15 or 16 growing up in new england as a kid it was a goal it was kind of mind-blowing to me to think like oh i could go to college and just play guitar you know uh when i got there it was a little different than i expected it really wasn't for me but it's definitely a good school um yeah i mean it's cool a lot of a lot of great players go through there
It's very expensive. You know, I could have probably bought yeah. a house. Oh, yeah. Not one year, I probably could have bought a house, but. <laughs> oh, well, you know. Yeah. Hey, um, you guys have a new, this new album, Crackdown, coming out, kind of we alluded to. It comes out September 9th. What can you tell us about it? Well, so it's the follow-up of Lonely Soul, because it's a fully, you know, there's 10 songs, nine originals. And I just think it's kind of moving forward. Like Lonely Soul was definitely a Chicago mid mm -hmm. to late 50s, early 60s inspired record. That's what we were listening to. A lot of chess records and Cobra records and stuff like that. Yeah. This one stretches out a little bit with influences. We all love country music in the band. Uh, we love soul music and garage rock. So there's all these kind of fringe uh influences that i still consider blues but that came in you know in the mid early to mid 60s and with lonely soul i was we were really trying not to let that stuff seep in right we were trying to make a mm -hmm. very concise period correct kind of sounding album this one is a little bit growing you know what i mean as far as letting other influences in but still trying to keep it to be traditional and blue you know blues music really so uh, with the name of this podcast, you know, all things blues and Southern rock, I feel really strongly like blues and Southern rock, if they're not siblings, they're at least cousins. And so I'm wondering, are there any of those bands or guitar players that have influenced you at all? Or is there any, you know, any bands that you listen to or are fond of or influenced by or? Sure. I mean, growing up as a kid, I love the Allman Brothers. I still do. I mean, great band. Um, amazing some of the songs they wrote in their late teens, early twenties, when you listen back, they're amazing. Growing up, I listened to them quite a bit. Uh, that being said, I'm a little bit unique in that way. I think where once I, if I started guitar at 13, by 15 or 16, I pretty much had blinders on maybe 17. And from, from that age, like seven, 16, 17 till about 25, I wasn't really listening to much music outside of traditional blues or jazz. Okay. Um, I, I did a lot of classic rock and, and Southern rock listening mm -hmm. for probably age 13 to 16 through my father. And I would go see the Allman brothers and I, you know, Leonard Skinner and all, all those bands. I, lo I loved all well, the Aerosmith. You're right there, you know, by Boston. I got to see Aerosmith. I got to meet those guys when I was probably, even before I play guitar, uh, my father has a friend that grew up with them. So I got to meet those guys and they were very nice. But if I'm being honest, by the time I was 15 or 16, I didn't really have much interest in anything mm -hmm. other than tra traditional blue. Like I really yeah. wasn't in anything past, like other than the exception of maybe Jimi Hendrix or Cream or something mm -hmm. a little bit. But basically, I wasn't listening to anything past like 1964. It was right like on. 1950 Very to 64 cool. until I was in my mid-20s. Very cool. Now I listen to everything and I, I love like <laughs> rock. Beatles are my favorite band. I listen to all kinds of stuff. But really like in those years where I was learning to be a guitarist in, in, my, in my influential years or whatever was really, I mean, pretty much like 50s and early 60s blues music. So you said the Beatles are your favorite band. I figure like the Stones or something if you were going to go there. I like the Stones, no, but I mean, the Beatles, I like the Beatles way better. I mean, I love the Stones. But playing the type of music that you do, though, you'd think, hey, I'm more like attuned to what the Stones do versus the Beatles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I would, yeah, but I would just listen to blues, though. I'm not going to listen, you know, I'm going to listen to blues. I, I like the Stones. You're going to listen to English guys try to play American blues. <laughs> You're going to listen mean, to the American I, you blues. You said it, not me. I'm, I, uh, you know, 
if I'm going to listen to blues, what I like blues, you know, I like Johnny Guitar Watson. But the Stones are going to say the same thing about them. So, you know what I mean? I mean, right. I don't, it's not right. like it. And who am I? I mean, I'm, 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 I'm a dude from Boston, white dude from Boston playing blues. Like, I, I, I'm not telling anybody to listen to me over Johnny Guitar Watson. You know? Hey, man, why don't we do it in the road off the White Album? It's a great right. tune. Yeah. I mean, well, I, love I, ask you, like, I love songwriting. I love, I'm a sucker for like melody and hooks. And I just think the Beatles are the, you know, I mean, as far as a rock and roll band, the best man that ever. Oh, no, for sure. Pop rock, for sure. right? Like it doesn't really, you know, there's no fluff in what they do. Although you could argue some Sergeant Pepper stuff, but that was sort of the whole. Well, I mean, they have. Thing, I mean, I don't know. There's, there's plenty of Beatles songs that I think are really cheesy that are for me, but the good stuff is so good. I just listen to mm. the good stuff. <laughs> do you have a favorite Beatles record? Oh boy. I mean, I really, I love Revolver. If I had to pick yeah. one, Revol I mean, Re I mean, so many Revolver's great. If I had to listen to one, I guess Revolver. But I love, I love all their songs. I love all their records. Not all their songs. I love all their albums. There's songs <laughs> that are not for me on plenty of the albums. You know, the ones that Ringo sings, perhaps. Eh, you know, I don't know. Joe like Octopus I mean, Garden, and I mean, a little help from my friends. He sings that, but if you hear Joe Cocker sing it, I mean, it's a fucking. Well, I mean, right? who's, yeah. who, who can compete with Joe Cocker? I mean, that voice, right. man. Come on, that was the know, first concert I ever saw. Anybody. First concert I ever Joe Cocker? Yeah, amazing. Yeah, really. Did you, nice in Boston. Where'd you see him? Hampton, New Ham Hampton Hamp Beach. Okay. Hampton, Hampton Beach Casino yeah. is what they call it. It's not a casino. Yep. It's just a venue, but yep. yeah. Oh, that's a great place, man. Brian and I are both uh, Black Crows fans, big Black Crows fans. I saw I them at that venue. Nice. I was going to say that's a huge venue for the Crows to go to. I saw them on the Remedy tour there. Oh, shit. You saw them like you mean, yeah, high early as the 90s. What's that? The High as a Moon tour in 92? No, it, was at, uh, it wasn't 92. It was Remedy. Like it was when that's the, Southern Harmony. Yeah, that's. Southern, Remedy was after Southern Harmony, wasn't it? No. I, is it that record? No, that's on yeah. This, yeah, it's like the first track off of Southern Harmony, their second okay, record. So second that, track. They had two the two backup singers, and Chris walked out with his arm around both both backup singer ladies and came out just like a you know, like a boss. It was good. We just did yeah, a show, we just did a show with them uh, a couple weeks ago. We played Peach Music Fest in Scranton. Uh, oh yeah. And, okay. So we, I mean, we, I, I say I did it with them like I'm hanging out. I wasn't hanging out on a different stage, but we played <laughs> earlier in the day, and then they were played later on the bigger stage. Oh yeah, and then like um, uh, Andy Outdoors, uh, a Friends of the Brothers band played there, which is like an Almond Brothers tribute band. There's a there was a, a pretty good like and, that was Andy, a, that was a good bill. Andy, is he right for Guitar World? Yep. Yeah. Oh, he did a feature on us a couple years ago. He's really. Yeah, yeah, he was the first first guy from Guitar World to do a write up on us. He did like a big spread. Yeah, yeah. He We've was had at, him on a couple he was of times. Peach? He's great. He was at Peach Festival. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, his band, his Almond Brothers tribute band, was playing played there. Yep. Oh, I wish I would have known. I didn't know that. Might have been a different day. It's like four days, three. Dude, or four he's days. a he's a cool dude. He has stories for. We've had him on two times, Brian. It's probably been close to four hours, and we haven't even yeah. scratched the surface of his, his story. <laughs> he just right? like. He's got yeah. great stories. Goes and goes and goes. Hey, I got a question. I got a question about another venue that I've heard about. Is like Cape Cod Melody Tent. Yep. Is that like a strange kind of? You know, I I don't think I've ever. I might have went to a show there when I was a kid. I might have saw BB King there. Can't remember, but it's Cape Cod, so that's like you know south of Boston or so, south of where I am right now. Really, I guess. Uh, I feel like the stage might rotate there. I think their stage go like moves in a mm -hmm. certain. But I'm not sure. Like while you're playing, I think so. 
I feel like there's a rotating stage here, but I could be wrong. Anyway, I don't know like anything that about would the be venue. Disorienting. If you're playing and the stage is moving, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I wouldn't. Like that. I just I just remember hearing about it during the by your side time with the Crows, and they played there, and people were saying it was a really weird venue. Yeah, it might be. I don't know. I mean, I saw around here. I, I've seen the Black Crows many times. So Hampton Beach, and then it used to be called uh, Great Woods, but it's not called that anymore. It's in Mansfield, Mass. It's like a big outdoor venue. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called now, but uh, they might have played there this year too. I don't know, but I don't know where else. Those are the only places I've seen them growing up. They would always play those two places. Yeah, well, you're close to like Connecticut, like Foxwoods Casino and all that kind of stuff too. Or not, yeah, not far. All kinds of shows go there. Yeah, because yep. we used to have a work event there pre-COVID, and I would always fly into TF Green, and then drive drive over from there. It was like the most. It was the easiest path. Sure. Cool. Um, hey, so you guys are getting ready to start a tour. Um, we're recording on August 3rd, a week from today. You guys are starting a little tour, starting in Cleveland at the uh, at the um, uh, the ballroom out there, man. Like, so yeah, Beachland, yeah, Beachland. That's right. I'm in Columbus, Ohio. I'm like two and a half. I've been up there okay. before, and actually, I'm going there later in the week. So you got, I just you guys mistimed it for me. Else, I would I would have gone. But um, is this tour like a precursor to the release of Crackdown or is it just to go out and play some shows and then, Hey, we're going to throw this record out and we're going to get back after it, support the record. Uh, well, we're just kind of always touring right now in general. So like the Hound Dog Taylor tribute record, it hasn't even been out for a year. So we've kind of just been touring behind that leading into this, this next record. Um, the Beachland show and we're playing in Hamilton, Ohio. We're playing. You are. My yeah. mom's from Hamilton, so oh, I'm going to cool. tell you this right now. Be careful where you walk. Make sure it's always in a group and be in the, stay in the light. I feel like <laughs> we played there quite a bit recently because our record label's from Cincinnati. And I feel oh, like oh, Hamilton's, pretty, Hamilton's getting pretty nice now. Like, it's they've been really pumping a lot of money into the downtown. They have, and that, that, right. river, that river view or riverside. Yeah, playing they, right they, on the river. Yeah. It, up. yeah, it used yeah. to be a very depressed blue-collar town, and yeah, they have fix, they're have they fixing pretty, it up. But Like that downtown, you go out to eat, it's, pretty, it's not even cheap to go eat anymore. It's like nice. You know, it's like fancy places. Yeah, just just stick to that area. Don't go off the beaten right. path, trust me. But, um, uh, and also about Hamilton, if Freebird comes on anywhere, you have to stand up and cover your heart or else a fight may start. So just. <laughs> Okay. What, what record label is that? Coal Mine Records. So they're out of they're out of a town called Loveland, right outside of Cincinnati. So it's a couple, you know, whatever, twenty minutes or fifteen minutes from Hamilton. Have you seen the castle in Loveland? The castle. You know, I there's have. A ca- there's an actual yeah, castle know, in Loveland. I know because the the record label, the head of the record label, has asked if we want to go do promo shots of the castle, but I have I've not <laughs> I've not seen the castle, but I. His name's Terry. I grew up in southwestern Ohio. My whole family is we're all from Cincinnati, and I grew up very close to Kings Island. So you like, I used to go to the the um, Loveland Skate Castle for skating parties in like elementary school. But that's not the castle. They just call it. I haven't seen it yet. I'm sure I'll see it. We're we're out there. Gotta go. So we always have to ask our guests, you know, because we're always looking for other artists kind of in this genre that we may not have heard of. Of course, you know, everybody knows. Walter Trout is and Tab Benoit and Samantha Fish and Bonamassa and all those guys at that level. Like uh, any other artists out there that have been d- doing this about your amount of time around your age, your kind of generation that we may not have heard of. Who, uh, who, 
Yeah. Who that's uh, been around your time do you listen to or, or cross paths with or have camaraderie with? Yeah, I mean, I know most of those people you mentioned and, and, and they're all great. All that stuff to me kind of falls more in a blues rock area. Mm -hmm. cool. uh, for me, I listen usually, like I said earlier, I, I'm usually gravitating towards more traditional stuff. And there are, there's like a handful of younger cats that I listen to as a fan, but also, you know, we've been on festivals with uh, Cedric Burnside. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorites. He's doing really yep. well. There's another cat. He's from Georgia. His name's John Tavius Willis. Young know guy that, in yeah. 20s, amazing blues player. Um, and like, like a full on, like he's young, but he's like a historian with, with the music. Um, I love John Tavius. There's another cat from Georgia that we did some shows from uh, with recently. His name's Eddie Ninevolt. Yeah. I've heard him. He's a little bit more of like a, He's traditional blues, but he's a little bit more soul, a little more soul in there, soul music. Uh, and then a couple other younger artists that are not blues that I listen to. I mean, I love country music. There's a, a young lady by the name of Sierra, uh, Sierra Farrell, who's like, it's like country, you know, vintage country music. She's, she's great. Um, and there's another cat named C.W. Stone King, who's like really traditional blues. As far as like, you know, up and coming people that are, in this space, those are the people we're kind of listening to. So you said you're a fan of country music, and you guys do a cover of Jolene. Is that your call? Yeah, I guess I guess it was my idea. That was during the pandemic, and we were just uh, recording. It's a great cover. Thanks, man. Like it was kind of funny because that was not supposed to be a, a a song that was released on, you know, streaming or we were just doing some videos during COVID at my house and that's out on my back deck and literally it's my laptop with garage band with like the cheapest microphones i'm like oh this is just a video i don't care and i and i'm not an engineer but i just set it up and it ended up coming out halfway decent and so we did release it as like a streaming track but yeah it's kind of like a that one is a little bit more pat was listening to a lot of rl so like his right hand is a little bit like a hill country guitar vibe over that progression what I like about that cover is, though, you make it yours so you can tell it's a GA20 song, but sure. you still have those that country influences from Dolly and all that stuff still play into it. And the fact that it's lo-fi really adds to it. Like, it's a, it's a really good cover. Brian, if you haven't listened to it yet, definitely stream it and check it out. I, I dig it a lot. I was listening to it right before I got on here. Oh, thank you. Um, oh, I had a second question for you, too. Sorry. Uh, you're getting Hamilton. Go back to Hamilton. You're playing with Tyler Bryant in the Shakedown. He's speaking about Texas blues. He's a Texas kid. Have you had a chance to play with that band? We have, we, well, not like not on stage together, but we met okay. this past January. We did this music festival cruise thing out of Florida. Joe Bonamassa has this like, yeah, the blues cruise. Yep. Like a, a cruise thing. And we were on that and Tyler's band, Tyler and his band were on that. And we were on that. And we just ended up being buds and we share a booking agency. So it just made sense to do some shows together. So yeah, we're doing three shows next week together. And then cool. Hamilton in, in Indy, Nap Indianapolis and something and else, then, right? And Springfield, Illinois. It's like a state okay. fair. Yep. That's a good Very run. Cool. And Very going cool. back to that Aerosmith connection that you know you had, uh, you know, uh his sons in the band. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I saw those guys live last year with the Georgia Thunderbolts and like Tyler and Graham put on a show and Tyler steps back and lets Graham like there it's a it's a it's a fun show to see it's a good rock show cool 
you guys like it. I mean, it's, well, you've already seen them play, but I mean, they're anyway. great. They're, and more importantly, they're really nice guys, man. Like Tyler, yeah. we we're, we text all the time and we're buds and, and uh, have a lot in common as far as guitar and, and he produces stuff. So it's cool. Yeah. Good guy. He was one of our early guests. He was like episode 13, Brian, like, Something right, like that. Right when 12 the first or 13. Ones I joined. What yep. episode and is this? What, what number am I? 105, I think. 106, 106 maybe. Nice. Cool. You're lucky you caught us when we figured out what we're doing. And how to <laughs> just talk about Hamilton and castles and Loveland. Guests love it. There you go. Yeah. That's so, Jason, nice. is it that time of the show? So, Matt, I know you've got a time limit, and we always like to do something fun with our guests with kind of a lightning around some some silly stuff. If you're up for it, we'd love to love to run with you here. Let's go. All right. What's the first live performance you ever did? I ever played? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if it was the first. It was one of the first. I played in my neighborhood. My buddy, I think I was in eighth grade. And his name was Matthew Plant. His last name was Plant. So we he had a party and we called it Plant Stock. And I played in his garage. And the name nice. of the band, I think the name of the band was the Frost Heaves. <laughs> which is very New England. I don't know if you know what a Frost Heave is. Do you know what a Frost Heave is? No. No, I don't. Uh, Frost Heave in like in the winter, when it gets really cold, sometimes you get like the road bubbles up and you get like a big bump in the middle of the road. It's a heat, like a Frost Heave from, you know, it's cold. So the road lifts yeah, up. So Frost, you guys, that would have made some cool merch. You know, I guess should have made some shirts or something. Yeah, I wasn't into the merch game yet, but yeah, that 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 band only probably did two gigs. What is the first concert that you've ever seen? Joe Cocker. Oh, oh yeah, we said that. Damn. Yeah. If you could play any a show anywhere in the world, where would you play? Oh boy, I don't know. Uh, Real Al Albert Hall sounds kind of cool. Uh, that would be pretty that badass. Seems, There's been a lot like of great. Cool yeah, that seems like that, oh, seems oh, like really good that or that or Red Rocks. I haven't played Red Rocks yet. Red Rocks would be cool. So we'll do the domestic and international. Domestic, we're doing Red Rocks mm -hmm. international. We're doing Royal Albert. I mean, hell, Bonamassa's done a video from there. I mean, you guys would be great. Um, if you could play on stage with any artist, living or dead, for a night, who are you choosing? Johnny Guitar Watson. Oh, nice. Now, would you? Is there a certain song you'd absolutely have to play with Johnny Guitar Watson? No, I don't care. I just want to as play. As long as you're up on stage playing with him somewhere, that'd be wild. Yeah. Uh, which one of your favorite bands that you've had a chance to tour with? Oh boy. Well, I don't know. GA20. We've we've toured with some good bands, but as a sideman playing with Charlie Musselwhite, I've been lucky enough to do tours with Jimmy Vaughn and Buddy Guy, and James Cotton. I'd have to say, you know, sharing the stage, playing guitar with those guys, any one of those was a, 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 I never thought I'd be able to do any of that. If you could go on tour with any band and play with them, who are you choosing right now? Oh man. Right now? Like today yeah. I go on tour with somebody. Oh no. Sky's the limit. Oh boy. Uh, I don't Give me another question. Come back to that one. I'm gonna <laughs> uh oh, where do you go? Oh, there he is. There he is. Here, we lost you. There you go. Did you choose? I didn't hear it. <laughs> oh, I said, ask me another question. Come back to that one. I'm thinking about it. I don't. I, that's an important one. 
you must have magic powers because you said that and it cut off from me and I'm back right. again. Right. I <laughs> All right. We're gonna do we're gonna steer away from music questions here for a second. So summertime it's hot. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Favorite chocolate. I mean simple, simple boring. Simple. But yeah. Hey, there is nothing wrong with going with the classics. We get a lot of vanilla with that question or strawberry sure. as well. No, chocolate. Some dude even chose Neapolitan. He was, you know, the coming to come. <laughs> not really a flavor. It's three flavors, but yeah. That's what we, we gave him shit for that, right? Because, you know, yeah. you're not you're not really committing to anything. Um, this com question comes from our friend Leilani Kilgore, who you may see or may have seen before on one of the Joe Bonamassa yeah. Blues crews. But this is a, a, uh, a psychopath detector question. So you have cereal. <laughs> Do you put the cereal in the bowl before the milk or the milk in the bowl before the cereal? Cereal first. All right. All right. You passed so far. Part part B is when putting on your shoes, do you put on your socks on each foot first and then your shoes? Or do you put an individual sock and then the individual shoe on your foot? I put both socks on. All right. Brian, <laughs> Matt is not a psychopath as far as we know. There's two questions. Those are the cutoffs. Those are the cutoffs. Um, coffee. How do you take your coffee? Black with uh, one sweetener, whatever it is for the day. If it's sugar. Whatever you're. <laughs> are you a Dunkin' Donuts guy being where you're at? Unfortunately, I am. Yeah, I drink. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying I love it, but yeah, I drink Dunkin' Donuts every day. It's right near my house. You are a, a good outstanding member of the Northeast community for doing yep. that, for sure. Um, all right. We're going to go to some nerdy questions. If you're not in this, that's cool. But Star Wars or Star Trek? Neither. Don't do either one. All right. DC or Marvel? Neither. Don't do yes. either. <laughs> you, you never know. Have you ever read comic books in your life? Yeah, there was a minute when I was a kid, but I don't even remember what it was. But you've moved past it. Yeah, not my thing. I couldn't even tell you what I <laughs> All right. What's the best book that you've read recently? Recently? Well, I can tell you my favorite book. To be completely honest, I haven't been reading books uh, of late. I'm so busy. You'd think you'd have time when you're on tour to read, but there's always something to do. Uh, my favorite book is Miles Davis, that autobiography. Hands down. Wow. Like nice. nice. Yeah. yeah, I love reading music biographies and autobiographies. That's a big part of stuff that I read. Good choice. I think that's the best. Right. I've read a lot of different music, you know, biographies, autobiographies. Yeah. That's my favorite one. Uh, do you like the movie, um, oh my gosh, um, Days and Confused? Yeah, sure. Matthew so McConaughey. I'm reading, yeah, 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 Matthew McConaughey, all that. So I'm reading the oral history of Days and Confused called All Right, All Right, All Right. If you're ever looking for a fun, cool book to yeah. read on the road, check it out. It's like whole soup to nuts of how that movie came together and everything. Cool. Great soundtrack, too. All right. They cool. spent the bulk of their money on that, on the soundtrack, because all okay. the you know, you got the Aerosmiths, Fog Hats, Ted Nugent's on that, you know, cost how do you a have a, How do you have a soundtrack to a book? Or you mean the movie? The movie, the movie, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Like, wow, they spent a lot of money on a soundtrack to a book. There's no... <laughs> a they got Steven Tyler and Ted Nugent and all those guys to like... Had them to read it? The audio reading. recording, to read yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, who are the last three artists or bands that you've streamed? Hold on. I was <laughs> Yeah, you could. It, it's open book test, so you can check your phone or. Uh, well, I was I was talking about, I was I was on a phone call before this with a friend that was talking about production, like producing stuff, and so Nick Curran in the Nightlifes, 
uh, Vic passed away a few years ago, but he was a great guitar player and he made these really cool, like low five fifties, early sixties blues records. So I was just listening to him. I was listening to my friend from Canada. His name's Jeremy Albino, who's like a great Americana artist. And who else was I listening to here? Uh, I was listening to Huey Lewis and the News because I love Huey. There we go. And then L. Michael, L. Michael's Affair, who's this, uh, it's like a studio project out of Brooklyn. Leon Michaels is the producer. It's like instrumental, like kind of cinematic, funk, soul, instrumental music. So those are the last four I was listening to today. So I recognized Huey Lewis out of all that. Brian, what about you? Uh, yeah, for sure I did, yeah. I saw them live once. <laughs> Dude, they owned they owned a, a substantial bit of the '80s. Oh yeah, sports. That was the big record, right? Sports. I remember buying my dad the sports cassette for Christmas one year. Oh yeah, it's a good one. And I also remember buying my mom the uh, Billy Ray Cyrus rec- uh, cassette too at one point. So my dad went won that battle. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Do you have a favorite place to eat when you're on the road? You know, sure. Typically, I don't eat a lot of meat. For years, I didn't eat any meat. And recently, I've, I've, uh, we were in Europe for a, a long stretch, and I ended up slipping up after eight or nine years and getting into steak again. But uh, typically on the road, I eat a lot of salads, and I eat a lot of fish. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if it's like highway food, like we're driving down the highway, and you don't really have a lot to choose from, we usually look for like a, a Lone Star Steakhouse or something like that. And I usually end up getting like salmon on a salad. Yeah. something like that not nothing too exciting i mean we're in the van a lot and you're there's only there's like literally like five restaurants off a highway everywhere in the united states there's not too much to choose from when you're just doing exit food you know so if, if you should like you probably play in a lot of the same venues and towns you know multiple times is there anywhere that you go though and you're like hey we're in this town i know i gotta hit up this place boy i don't know i didn't think about that i mean in la i used to live in la we go to la there's a couple places uh in manhattan beach there's this uh it's like a diner oh now i'm not gonna think of the name of it there's like this 24 hour they call it a diner but it's not really a diner it's right on the beach the kettle that's what it's called the kettle if i'm in southern california like south of the airport i i always go there it's like a 24 hours a day crazy menu and it's really good so brian and i are visiting providence there your hometown where do you give us a recommendation for somewhere to go to eat my go-to i love sushi so yeah. my favorite restaurant that I go to, I try not to go to so much, but they, the owner knows me my first name when I walk in. Uh, it's called Nami. Uh, it's a Japanese restaurant. It's amazing. I eat there a lot. And there's another place called Broadway Bistro, which is just like American, you know, steaks and fish and stuff like that. Those are my probably two go-tos. I mean, I like Japanese food and sushi in particular. So I'll, I will remember that next time I'm in Providence. Do you have a favorite venue to play in? I have lots of favorite venues to play at. Uh, which which you like your home base, like the one you feel the most comfortable at? I love playing the Beachlands in Cleveland. We were talking about that. I always look forward to going there. Um, in New You're England, a beer drinker too, I saw. Yeah, I think you were drinking beer. Like, it's, There's a lot of breweries up that way. Yeah, I like beer. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. It, it, around here, like in New England, we've been playing less and less. But like in Boston... We love playing the place called Brighton Music Hall. That's the last mm-hmm. time we played in Boston. We played there. That's a that's a great venue. Uh, near Providence, 
just outside of Providence. There's a town, it's a mass, but it's right on the line. It's called it's Fall River. There's a place called the Narrows. We like playing there. It's like an art center, but it's in a big old mill building and it's like a 500 cap room. So it's still, it's big, but it's still intimate. We like playing there. Yeah, I like those two. All right. Two last questions for you. One short and one's a little bit longer. Give us a guilty pleasure song artist or something and we'd just be surprised to hear that you like. Oh, Huey Lewis. <laughs> everybody likes Huey Lewis. That can't be a guilty I, I pleasure. Think it's a I mean, guilty everybody pleasure. likes Huey. I'm not going around. I'm not going around, you know. Uh, or, all right, what else do I like? What's another one that's Oasis? I like, I, I went through an Oasis man. I, I like Oasis. Who, I did too. I love it. Yeah, I away, still like guilty, Oasis. That's a guilty pleasure, sure. What's your favorite Oasis song? Oh, man. I, don't, I have to go back. I don't even remember the name. I mean, I remember the names of the hits, but I don't know if they were my favorite. I haven't listened to it in years. Yeah. Like, I love Don't Look Back Champagne in Anger, Sup the whole What's Your Champagne Story Supernova. record. Was good. That was a big one, wasn't it? Champagne, Champagne Supernova is a great one. Yeah. Don't Look Back in Anger. I think that I like that one. I don't even think, I think Noel, the guitar player, sang that one, didn't he? He did. Oh, yeah. That's right. And that's like the, that's maybe their biggest hit, like globally, and it's still like a beloved classic over there. I like that one. I'd like to hang Very out. Very Beatles. -ish. I don't know about doing a show with them, but that would be, I would enjoy a, after hours hang with those two brothers uh I, that would lead to some really good stories and that's yeah. a perfect segue to my last question for us yeah. so give us a good story from your music touring experience funny scary bad good what your choice first thing that pops in your mind <laughs> he's laughing already i don't know uh i just i don't know i'm gonna get in trouble on that one i'm gonna leave it, it listen if crimes have been committed, always use allegedly and don't use anybody's real names. That's all I ask. <laughs> I, I'll be honest, fuck it. I don't care. There was we did a show. I'm not gonna say where or when, but we did a show in California somewhere not that all that long ago. And it was a, a club that I used to go to just to see bands. And it's a, it was I was looking forward to playing it. We played it and it sold out. That was great. And uh, at the end of the night, the owner showed up and I, he may or may not have been you know, totally gacked out on some sort of drug that you put up your nose and it turned into this big thing. We couldn't get paid. And, uh, he ended up, he ended up not wanting to pay us. I'm, I was like, well, I'll just take one of these guitar amps then for payment. And when I got up to go guitar amp, he, he tackled me <laughs> and ripped, ripped my favorite shirt. And I, and when I got up to take care of business, he had all his bouncers, uh, make sure I couldn't do anything. So that, that's a wild, that's, that was a wild one. We've heard a few stories where, where fights have come in. No, not, we're not playing that venue. We got we got the money. Okay, that's what I was yeah. going to ask. Did you get the payment? I got the money. I'm never playing that fucking place again. He's lucky that I don't say the name of it, but I'm not playing there again. <laughs> we had J.D. Simo on, and he told a story that did involve multiple crimes and things. I thought for sure hold on, Brian, yes, hold on. the FBI was going to call Hold on. Yeah. The story that I'm telling you, we were on tour with him when that happened. Oh, he was oh on, perfect. That's a problem. He didn't tell Katie that was story. on that. It was a co-bill. We were on a tour together with his man and my band, J20. He he was he had left before this happened. Somehow he got his money. Mark. They only had so much money to pay, and we didn't get our half. <laughs> and that, it was on tour with him in California. Send JD how, a bill. Hope how pay. funny is that? that? He's, got that <laughs> he's got that Elvis movie money now where he helped do some of the songs yeah. on there. You know, he, <laughs> he, was doing, guys. he was flying in and out of this tour to do that. Like we were... We'd be somewhere, we'd have a day off. He'd fly home to record on that with uh, Dave Cobb and then fly back in. But yeah, that night that happened was a co-bill with him and us. <laughs> that's, uh, it seems that's too funny. Trouble. It follows <laughs> around. 
Yeah. He's, that's like, when I was listening to your music, I, I'm like, man, you guys would really make a good tour mate with JD Simo. So I'm not surprised that you guys have played together. You've got sounds that very much like, did, you know, did like, work with each did, other. We did like three and a half months straight earlier this year. Yep. He's, he's a good artist and a cool dude. Well, speaking of good artists and cool dudes, Matt Subs from GA20, thank you so much for joining us. You got a new album, Crackdown, coming out September 9th. Where do our listeners go to find out more about GA20? Buy your stuff, buy your merch, know where you're on tour, social medias. What do you got? Uh, you can just go to our website and get everything you just mentioned. So that would be GA20band.com. And then from there, you can find everything you need. So scrolling across the top, I see you're on Facebook, you're on Instagram. I just followed you guys this week on Instagram, Spotify, Bandcamp, or Bands in Town. You're, you're, you guys are everywhere. We can, yep. we can find out. Yep. Well, thanks for joining us. Good luck with the tour starting in my home state of Ohio next week. I hope to catch you on the road, Brian. Well, for the listeners, we want to say thank you to Matt Stubbs uh, from GA20 for joining us and being a great guest. And turns out he has a story that might or might not involve J.D. Simo. Um, new record <laughs> comes out September 9th. So thank you, Matt. Thank you so much for uh, being on. It means a lot to us. And we've done, a, you know, honestly, a lot more in the Southern rock genre. We've had a couple blues people on here and there. But we're doing a deep dive and you're kicking it all off. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, fellas. Uh, thank you so much to Matt Stubbs from GA20. Uh, it's good to uh, get another blues artist on because, we want to uh, start taking some deeper dives into blues and um, have more artists, you know, to represent that part of the podcast and uh, get our name out there in the blues community. So there are definitely blues and old school. He, he said Chicago blues. I hear that. I hear the hill country stuff, Brian, that mm -hmm. you alluded to. Yeah. And like when, I, when I, I saw what they looked like first and then listened to the music, I was like, well, I, this is not what I expected to be. This is actually great. I'm sending my dad their last record because I know he's really going to like it. Yeah, and uh, um, obviously the funny story there at the end, it, that is so, like, absolutely hilarious. And it's like, well, yeah, we talked to J.D. Simon. Oh, yeah, I was torn with him on that. It's like, yeah, well, makes sense. Somehow I'm not surprised. <laughs> I am, I'm going to think that J.D.'s probably done some uh, business at that club before. <laughs> oh, I... <laughs> I'm sure he has, but listen, GA20 is a cool band. I, I love that we're getting into some more blues-centric things for, here for a while. That fits in perfectly. You know, they're out on tour right now. By the time you're hearing this, check them out. They're kind of all over the place. Got some dates with Tyler Bryant, which should be really cool. And, like, I was very pleasantly surprised, like, like talk, talking to Matt, and I'm looking forward to this album coming out September 9th. And that will be a great tour. I mean, and they obviously – already played some shows right with tyler and uh yep. to do more that, that we just that's awesome and it's very cool when we're talking to to matt about how he's like got you know been so committed when he said for a long time that's all he listened to was which is straight up blues that's very very cool um so having said that we'll say always remember southern rock is reverent blues is blood we'll see you next time
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 